0: MacU Health with Micromycell, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and micromycell technology.
1: Do your patients know what presbyopia is? There are people who are afraid of the press. Have you talked to your patients about multifocal contact lenses? I've heard the bifocal, but not, right, multifocal. Exactly. not multifocal. Do you need help with your multifocal strategy? Learn more at the conclusion of this episode. Good morning. I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, and welcome to Open Your Eyes Radio. Please listen as I discuss the newest information in the world of health, nutrition, and sports every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Central Time on AM 1280, The Patriot. Also, please share your thoughts by emailing me at drkerrygelb at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-R-R-Y-G-E-L-B at gmail.com. According to Halstead-Holman, Dr. Halstead-Holman, chronic disease is now the principal cause of disability and consumes approximately 78% of the U.S. healthcare expenditures. Today's guest, Dr. Mandy LaGreca, is a doctor of clinical nutrition. Mandy's passion to help others stems from her eating disorder she experienced in high school and college. Mandy later developed IC or bladder pain syndrome, unable to get relief from conventional treatments, she turned to integrative approach to finally get help. Dr. Mandy now helps others who suffer with interstitial cystitis (IC) or bladder pain syndrome. Please visit her website ichealer.com, where you can learn a- about her programs. And if you need, and if you if you have uh, interstitial cystitis and you would like to make an appointment, you could do it through her website. Dr. Mandy, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: You know, since you're a doctor of clinical nutrition, before we get into IC or interstitial cystitis or bladder pain syndrome, which affects more females than males, and about 10 million people in the U.S. have it, but a lot of people don't know much about it. I just want to talk about some clinical nutrition in general, since you're a doctor of clinical nutrition. So for people that are watching out there, <clears throat> and I know you like to match the best diet for each person but say someone is generally healthy and they just want to eat healthier what do you think is the best way of eating for the general public
2: oh yeah that's really easy eat as close to nature as you possibly can really bottom line um i think we've really moved away from natural eating um I- I mean, you look around us, you go to a grocery store. It's really hard to actually eat naturally because 90% of the grocery store is processed. So if you're listening and you don't have anything that's really um, a chronic condition or um, something, you know, similar to IC or anything else, you know, an autoimmune condition, you know, and you want to clean up your diet, follow the 80/20 rule. I always say 80% of what you put in your mouth should be something that you would have killed or grown yourself. And that's something to really think about. Totally unaltered and natural as you possibly can, whether that's lean protein or fruits and vegetables or whole grains, um, that's really the bottom line. The second thing is don't eat as much as we think we need to eat. We, we as our, our ancestors have been equipped for evolutionarily for fasting. That's, we have an evolutionary mechanism um, and we're meant to do so. And I think our modern um, society has forgotten that um, because of availability of food. And, you know, everything revolves around food, right? Like every social event, um, even like going to like a kid's game they're giving out ice cream. I mean, it just seems like this is just the norm but we really have to start to get back down to what our ancestors did. And we had periods of eating and we have periods of fasting. And I believe that that's, you know the two main things that we can do. The third thing, is start moving more exercise. Um, and it was hard because we live, live in front of a computer and television and our cell phone, right? It's something that we've moved away from. So we have to intentionally exercise and get time outside in the sunlight with the UV light, because that's the natural source of vitamin D, spending time on walking outside in the air, getting the oxygen and grounding. And I think if you can do those three things, you can find yourself in a much better place with health. So if we eat
1: non-processed food and we want to eat meat that's grass fed or organic chicken uh, from as a doctor of clinical nutrition, are you okay with it or should we just be vegetarians?
2: No, I think we're omnivores. Um, One thing you're going to find if you start to look at my um, content on YouTube and the things that interviews that I bring along is I am not an extreme dieter. I um, don't believe in any of those extreme diets. I think they're temporary. I think they're short term and they may have a therapeutic purpose in the short term for most people. Now There are exceptions, like for example, dementia, Alzheimer's, they do better on a ketogenic diet, but that's a whole different topic general wellness should be we are omnivores we're meant to have meat we're meant to have plant-based food so I'm not going to promote veganism I'm not going to promote the carnivore diet I'm just not
1: and you mentioned fasting before are you a proponent of fasting and if you are going to fast what do you think the best way to do it is
2: well I just broke a three and a half day fast today so (laughs) I am a (laughs) proponent of fasting I just fasted for 82 hours Um, knowing my, if you listen to my history, I had an autoimmune like condition. So I see has a lot of symptoms similar to an autoimmune condition. And that was one of the main ways I was able to put my bladder pain into remission was with a five day water fast. And I do one every, uh, quarter. So every quarter I'll do like a three to four day fast. Um, I think it's very individual. So for most people start with 12 hours, I think everyone should be, you know, there should be a 12 hour fasting window for every single person. Not excluding children, okay. So children are not, so let's exclude children out of that. But for adults, from the time you eat dinner till the next morning, there should be a minimum of twelve hours. Now, the older we get, the longer that window should go, just because there's more, you know, things going on with age, oxidative stress, inflammation that fasting can clean it up. So, you know, when I'm talking to somebody who's trying to lose weight um, and they're overweight, sixteen hours a day is ideal. So if you can get a sixteen-hour daily from, so that would be eating eating dinner at six and breaking it at 10, that's not very hard, right? Six o'clock to, to 10 a.m. Um, and then there's periods of time where you wanna go a little longer. And so for people who want a little bit more, maybe they want more advanced weight loss, or maybe they wanna clean up some inflammation, or maybe they have some rheumatoid arthritis, or they have some aches and pains, then it's ideal to do maybe a once a week, maybe do something like 18 to 24 hours. And then when you're getting really hardcore like me, then you're looking at like a three to four day fast a few times a year. And that's not easy to do. And it's not for everybody. So just want to make that clear.
1: So for people that do want to fast 12 hours or 16 hours, there's some people that say skip breakfast and eat the last meal, just eat dinner. And then people go to sleep. And to to me, that's the sumo wrestler diet. You just eat and then go to bed. So I see to me, it seems more makes more sense. If you're going to skip a meal, it should be dinner not breakfast, but I, I want to ask the expert. I'm an eye doctor, not a doctor of clinical nutrition. So what do you think about that?
2: It's all variable to the, to the person. Um, generally with women, um, we stress hormones can also be affected when there's too much hunger because of blood sugar imbalances. So some of that is going to depend on your blood sugar um, situation. Um, many of my, my patients that come to me, have hypoglycemia, they have, you know, their blood sugar cycles are broken. Okay, so what I'm trying to say is, for those of you not sure what I'm talking about, when you eat carbohydrates, it has to break down in a manner that it can actually be utilized for your cell to do its processes to make and you may have learned about this in high school, ATP. This is the energy currency of the cell. Ultimately, the point of eating is to produce that so we can have energy to do our functioning of the, you know, your cells, your organs, they have to function, they need energy. Many people for various reasons, uh, it could be environmentally, you know, environmental toxins. It could be poor, you know, nutrition, like micronutrient status might be weak. So you might be low in certain nutrients. They don't do that very well. And so when they do fast, um, one of those um, blood sugar processes, which is involves the conversion of glu- non-glucose sources to glucose, so meaning when you fast, your body starts to dip into stored glucose for energy, um, that's known as gluconeogenesis, but that's what I'm trying to say what it is. They don't do it very well because of these reasons I mentioned. And so they feel really bad when they're fasting. They get lightheaded, they get hangry, they have brain fog. You gotta train your body to be good at this. And the only way to train it is to fast. By fasting, you're training your body to be better at breaking down non stored sources of glucose for energy. So that's why women generally have harder time because of hormones. There's some hormone things going on with estrogen. That when they fast, they have more of those side effects. Men seem to do it much better. Um, so anytime I fasted with a group of people, men and women, the men seem to roll right through it without any problems. The women tend to have more of that, you know, fatigue and things like that. So and so it's talk- variable. So to answer your question, it depends on who you are. If you're a person who's more hypoglycemic, I would say eat your dinner and skip your breakfast. But if you have more of a better management of your blood glucose, then you can probably go ahead and um, skip dinner. and. Go through that way
1: yeah i mean blood glucose is is a major problem high insulin uh many people start off with high insulin before their blood sugar goes up and the side effects to insulin and sugar are very similar for the regular person who's pretty healthy they really don't have any problems what kind of supplements would you recommend or would you recommend any basic supplements people should take
2: absolutely um we are in the 20th 21st century and um Uh, the the toxicity level environmental toxins is rampant I think the best thing you can do for yourself is get a good quality binder um, to bind up those environmental toxins and safely remove them from the body just because I think what people don't realize is when disease happens it didn't happen yesterday it was from the accumulation of the last 20 years this is what I tell people who come to me and they're like oh my god I just woke up with bladder pain no you didn't you just probably had it brewing and then something broke the straw that broke the camel's back it could be for a lot of people lately, it's been you know viruses, right? So that's that's what I would think is the number one thing is to have a good quality binder, and the one I really like is zeolite. So I'm a big proponent of zeolite. It just has such a widespread um, ability to bind so many different toxins, from mold to um, endotoxins from bacteria, from heavy metals, you know, glyphosate. All of that is, is a very superior binder. I give it to my children. I make i actually have one right here. It's my zeolite shake. So I will do zeolite um, in a shake. I'll throw it for my kids. And um, that's a really simple thing to do. The, the one I use is um, a product called Zeocharge, Charge and it's a powder and it doesn't have a flavor. You just mix it, and that's number one. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is, you know, a multivitamin. You know, if you haven't done a vitamin test and you don't really know if there's any, you know, deficiencies or, or per se um, a good multi-quality multivitamin, whole food would be fine, whole food vitamin, because our soil quality and multi-mineral as well, vitamin and mineral, because our soil quality is just not where it should be. I mean, for example, there's barely any boron in our soil, right? So there's a lot of different um micronutrients that are missing. And so if you could replace that with a quality multivitamin, multi-mineral, that's important.
1: Give me a brand of a multivitamin, multi-mineral that you that you like.
2: Um, so there's a bunch of like pure encapsulations has a good multivitamin. Um, so I like the cleaner product lines. Um, if you don't have access to those on Amazon, there's a few out there that are just make sure, I don't know specifically a good brand on Amazon, honestly, because I shop through my dispensary. So pure encapsulations is a good one. Um, Thorne has some good ones as long as it's got, you know, at least the RDA of what your vitamin and mineral needs are. And, um, you know mineral wise, you can do like trace element drops in water. And, and cause our, cause that's another thing. I think when people filter their water, they don't realize that they're also filtering the minerals so they need like, like uh, reverse osmosis water. It's removed almost everything, right? So you're actually removing the minerals. So you're going to want to replace that. And so there are like, you can get like some drops online um, and replace it in your water. So, and, you know, honestly, um, sea salt, um, like Baja Gold sea salt is one brand that I really like. It has a lot of minerals in it besides just salt. So if you're going to use salt in your food, a sea salt, that's a good one, Baja Gold, because it has a wide range of different minerals in it.
1: So you mentioned, uh, zeolite, do you have to take it away from vitamins? You have to take it away from food. So it doesn't bind out some of the good things that you're trying to do for yourself.
2: The research shows not necessarily, it actually shows that it helps absorption of minerals. Interestingly enough, it's mm-hmm. not like charcoal activate charcoal will do that. So with activate charcoal, another binder you would want to take that away from food and from supplements. But my understanding with what I've learned about zeolite is it actually enhances absorption. So it's a very interesting dynamic. So what's binding the toxins and the metals, it's actually helping you absorb your minerals. And that's why when I take my zeolite, I also take it with folic acid together because folic acid is another really good um mineral supplement so if you want to get good quality minerals you can get it through a fulvic acid and take them together so the company that i use the zeo charge they have a fulvic charge so i tell my patients take your zeo charge with your fulvic charge and i'll tell you people who've done it they have noticed a dramatic rise in their energy levels
1: and to take the folic acid with it is or methylfolate is it folic acid or methylfolate
2: Oh, fulvic acid it's a it's not um yeah. It's not the same thing as folate. It's, okay. uh, this is more of um, mineral, a mineral product.
1: And you have the zeolite shake. What do you put in it? I saw you drinking it. What do you put in that?
2: <laughs> um, thing. this one particularly has uh, flax, flax milk and half of a banana and, um, three tablespoons of zeocharge and Manuka honey. And it's really good.
1: And Manuka honey, you know, is, 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 is it too much sugar? Is it healthy? What's good about Manuka honey compared to regular honey?
2: Um, I like its antimicrobial properties. I like how it's a prebiotic for the GI tract, the good microbes. Um, it's It, it helps, um, you know, if you have like a strap in your, uh, well, now understand like a lot of times when you take something orally, it doesn't always make it to the digestive system, but if you have like, you know, strap in the mouth, it helps compete with it um, and it tastes really good. Um, it's anti-inflammatory. So, um, you know, there's other honeys. You can also do raw honey. I mean, I don't really, I'm not like particularly like uh, you have to do manuka honey. No, I mean you could do other types of honey, but honey is, has a lot of therapeutic properties. If you just Google the therapeutic properties of honey, people don't realize. Like if you get a good quality honey, it can it has a lot of benefits for the, for human health.
1: I had a friend who had shoulder surgery, and he had a wound that wouldn't heal for for months, and and they tried all different antibiotics, and then finally he put manuka honey on it with a, and he made a paste out of probiotics and put it on the wound and it was better in a day and i saw with my with my own eyes i'm not telling people at home to do it, but i saw with my own eyes No, no, it, no. It I,
2: I can give you a remedy i actually did it with my fiance um he had a affection on his skin that would not heal either probably some type of you know maybe it was MRSA we never actually went to the doctor for it and so we took some activate charcoal and we made a little um paste And we placed it on the wound and it helps pull the toxins out. And then we alternated that with Manuka honey. And we did that back and forth, back and forth, four times. We did the charcoal and then the Manuka charcoal and it completely cured it.
1: Unbelievable, right? And just Mm -hmm. crazy. So when we look at chronic disease, the incidence of chronic disease is skyrocketed. As I said in the opening, you know, uh, almost 80% of our health expenditures are spent on chronic disease. What do you think is causing the chronic disease epidemic that we have today? Is it just genetics? Is it environmental toxicity? Is it poor food quality? Are we just getting older, stress? What, what do you think?
2: I think it's a combination of not spending enough time with nature and stress. Um, I think we have, um, our fra- families are fragmented. We don't spend enough time, you know, with our family members. We're we're everything's go 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 go. I mean, I live in North Carolina, so not so much here, but I'm originally from New Jersey, the New Jersey New York area. It's horrible there. I mean, it's that's why we left because the stress levels are ridiculous. Just sitting in traffic for 45 minutes every day is stressful. So I think it's a combination of um, financial stress, family stress, um, maybe marital stress, um, you know, work. Um, and then there's, you know, pollution, right? Like think about like New York city and air pollution, um, and then our environmental toxins. And I honestly think the other piece of it is the food industry. I think they're poisoning us. Um, I think it's just the, what they're putting in front of us is not good quality. And we're seeing a lot of people who've got a ton of inflammation in the body. Oh, and one more thing, our GI tract is not healthy. We have a very poor GI tract profile in, in, in the Westernized countries, um, Leaky gut, you know, I'm sure you heard that term before, dysbiosis, um, antibiotic overuse. Like when I was a kid, I was drinking that stupid pink penicillin, you know, remember, remember that bubble gum flavor. They make it seem like it was like the best thing ever. And here I am later, you know, 20 years later, and I'm stuck with this disease. Hmm, I wonder if it was off of all those antibiotics you know so you, and then c-sections on, too we have a lot of c-sections babies are not being born vaginally as much anymore they're not being breastfed a lot of things
1: were you on the bubble gum medicine the, i was on the bubble gum for a year or so to, to prevent air infection or is that why oh. you took
2: oh yeah on and off i was constantly on that bubble gum medicine i ended up having tubes i had my tonsils removed i had all of that and i wasn't breastfed I was not a breastfed child. My mom said she couldn't make any, she couldn't produce milk and they pushed formula on her in the hospital anyway because they were saying back then it was better for you than breast milk.
1: Right, right. And, and before we were talking about supplements, I think I cut you off. Are there any other like omega-3s or any oh, other? Oh, yes. Thank you. That you. Vitamin D3, K2, that you would recommend. Of course, as an eye doctor, we recommend lutein, zeaxanthin, mesozeaxanthin zeaxanthin to protect the macula. Uh, and when we start uh, getting into uh, bladder pain uh, syndrome, we'll, we'll talk about some of the drugs that could cause a maculopathy. But uh, how about how about some of those other uh, supplements that I rec- that I just mentioned?
2: Oh yeah, people do not eat enough fatty fish. <laughs> So I have found when I run testing that their omega-3 acids are too low and their omega-6s are too high. And so, you know, doing official is great because you get the EPA DHA. However, you still need to get the alpha linoleic acid, the precursor to the EPA DHA. You have to get the fish oil from the fish. And if you don't like fish, then you got to find an alternative source to your omega-3 and that's walnut oil. And that's also flaxseed oil. Flaxseed oil is really good because it has omega-3, six and nine. So people have to start incorporating better fats in their diet. Honestly, I think that what I'm seeing is a lot of people are getting their fats from um, meats, meats, high fat meats, you know, like pork and high, high fat quality beef. Um, And also if you eat, if you choose to eat or Grass-fed beef, you're going to get a better profile of omega-3 to omega-6 because grass-fed has a better fatty acid profile. So switch away from your grain-fed beef and switch to grass-fed. And if you need to include a supplement, then fish oil is fine. I want to mention this caveat, though. I have seen a lot of times where people have omega-3 dominance. And so you don't want to, I always say, test, don't guess. If you want to do it right, run the test so you know what you need.
1: What is omega-3 dominance? I never heard that before.
2: It's when you have too much 3 and not enough 6, and then you end up having other issues with histamine. Okay. So you don't want to have too much 3. You know, Everything has to be balanced. Again, I said earlier, I believe in balance with a diet. I believe in balance. Well, even when it comes to supplementation, there has to be balance. I'm going to give you a great example. People are taking too much zinc. I think because of this whole you know epidemic going on with viruses, people are taking too much zinc, and they're actually depleting their copper. And when you deplete your copper, because copper and zinc are a seesaw, they have to be balanced. You have low copper. Now you can have all the problems associated with copper deficiency. And one of the big ones is histamine intolerance,
1: which is out. We're talking with Dr. Mandy. Uh, She's giving us great information. When we get back from the break, we're going to talk about IC and bladder pain syndrome. We'll be right back. MacU Health.
0: Your science born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science.
1: I'm back with Dr. Mandy LaGreca of ICHealer.com. She's giving us great information on nutrition and health. She's a doctor of clinical nutrition. And before she talked about zeolite, and if you, it's called Zio Charge Z-E-O-C-H-A-R-G-E from Zeolite Labs. And I think Mandy has a coupon for that. So if you go to her website, uh, you could get that. And at the end of the program, she'll explain how to get all those things. But as, as we come back from the break, I want to ask you, Mandy, about colors, different color foods. I noticed that a lot of people, I would say, if I did a survey, I would say it probably close to 99% of the people eat the same foods over and over again. They have like five foods they eat and they just eat them over and over again. How can we do better with that?
2: Oh yeah, this is so my wheelhouse. Oh my gosh. So um, when I, the one of the number one things people tell me is what can I eat? And so I show them the rainbow diet. So this rainbow diet was actually developed by Deanna Manich, who's also a CNS. And she um, explains the benefits of eating Plentiful colors in your diet. Um, And that's really good for not only your immune system, but also for your microbiome, the little microbes in your gut that are sending signals throughout your body. It helps them become happy, makes them happy. So, one of the ways to do that is well, first of all, go to the grocery store and spend more time in the produce aisle. (laughs) Walk away from the middle aisles and spend most of your time. If you see me in the grocery store, I am mostly in the produce aisle. I wish it was bigger. Um, and try to get one color of the rainbow. So there's, I think there's seven colors. Yeah, seven colors of the rainbow. Get one of each um, from fruits and vegetables. Um, and when you make food, you're gonna wanna try to get one of each color at each meal. So if you're making a shake, you might want to put a little bit of each thing in your shake. If you're making a salad, that's pretty easy. You can put apples, strawberries, blueberries. Um, you can put, you know, red peppers, green peppers. I mean, it's not a hard thing to do. It just has something that you have to get custom to doing. And I think because we're creatures of habit, you're right. People go to their beef and broccoli and their potato and that's their dinner. Um, We need to really start to think about how to improve the microbiome. I want everyone listening to watch a movie called Let Them Eat Dirt. It's a really good movie about the microbiome. It's on Vimeo, Um, I always show it to my students because I'm also a biology instructor as well, and they love it. Um, Show it to your kids, teach them about the importance of your microbiome and how your diet is the one and only tool we have to improve our microbiome. We don't have a lot of tools. We're not gonna run and do a fecal transplant. It's not necessarily recommended to do that. The one tool we have to improve our microbiome is through diversifying our diet with the colors of the rainbow, plain and simple.
1: And do you recommend probiotics, prebiotics, since we're talking about improving the microbiome?
2: I do. I don't think most of the probiotics in the market are actually doing much. Um, um, The ones I really like are the soil-based probiotics the bacillus subtilis, And um, I use a product through microbiome labs called um, HU58 and then Megaspore. The research has shown that these probiotics are actually modulating the environment of the GI tract and improving like the you know, acidity of it and the um, environment to allow your diet to do its job better. So I think it has to be a combination of the probiotic and they have a prebiotic product as well together with your diet, they kind of work synergistically. So you can't just take a probiotic and eat junk food. And I don't think you can just eat healthy and not take one nowadays because of this 21st century. I think we've killed a lot of our really good microbes through our you know, lifestyle, through antibiotics, through pesticides, herbicides. So I think we do need, still need some of these probiotics to help give us a boost.
1: And how about fermented foods?
2: It depends on the person. So I work with a lot of people, with bladder pain syndrome. They can't take fermented foods because it causes histamine, they are high in histamine, so if you don't know what histamine is, think about when you, if you have an allergy and you go outside and you start sneezing, or you have like runny nose or itchy eyes, or if you get a skin allergy, that's histamine. Well, people with bladder pain syndrome have a lot more histamine in their bladder, And so when they eat fermented foods, they will have more bladder pain because they're having more histamine being produced in the bladder. So they can't. And I recognize this with myself because I was drinking kombucha all the time. And every time I drank it, I had pain and I didn't understand why. And Now looking back, that's what it was.
1: Well, since you brought up uh, bladder pain syndrome, interstitial cystitis, bladder pain syndrome, you're an expert on that. What is bladder pain syndrome or interstitial cystitis?
2: Currently, the medical literature calls it idiopathic. It is um, considered non-infective, um, and it is. there's two different types. There's the ulcerative type and the non-ulcerative type. So most of my patients have the non-ulcerative type. People who have the ulcerative type have penerous lesions, and they're given a different diagnosis. Treatment's different. Um, it's basically, it's kind of like IBS. You know, like IBS, people are like, what is it? It's a cluster of symptoms, but they can't really pinpoint an exact cause. They haven't been able to say it's caused by this bacteria or it's caused by this virus. Like the hunters, there was more of a cause, but the, everybody else, BPS, bladder pain syndrome, people like me, we didn't have a real direct cause. So it's kind of idiopathic, but it's a cluster of symptoms. So what are those symptoms? Burning when you urinate, burning in the bladder, like it's on fire, pressure, um, urgency, like you have to run to the bathroom where you're gonna, you know, go and go in your pants, urinary retention, Uh, pelvic pain, pelvic, uh, sorry, painful intercourse, painful urination, and getting up at night a lot to urinate. So that's the primary symptoms of this. And when someone is going to the doctor and they go in and they say, I have these symptoms and they do a urinalysis and there's no bacteria generally when they do it, they say, okay, it's not a UTI. You probably have IC." So that's kind of how it's being diagnosed there are other ways to diagnose it like a cystoscopy and those kind of things but they're not really finding a lot of women don't get any answers from these tests it's usually just symptomatic and
1: people could urinate up to 60 times a day Absolutely. i mean that's a pretty uncomfortable way to live and there's a there's approximately three to eight million women and even men get this one to four million men so there are about 10 million plus people that suffer from this condition And nobody really knows the cause of it, do
2: they? Well, we are getting really close to it, um, at least on the integrative side. On the um, conventional side, not so much. But on the integrative side, um, we do think that there's are a lot of causes. Actually, um, there's obviously we know there's inflammation in the bladder, but the, the million-dollar question is why. Well, we are finding that there are some people who have what's called an embedded infection. I hate that term because it doesn't sound scientific, but in reality, it just means that there might be a biofilm and some dysbiosis in the urinary tract because we know now that the urine is not sterile. We thought it was. We used to think it was because when we did cultures, that's what was taught to these doctors, but now some of these new diagnostic tools like PCR and whole genome sequencing, we're realizing that no, there's a microbiome in the bladder, and it should be mostly lactobacilli. But what's happening is because of all these things we talked about earlier, toxicity, antibiotic overuse, stress, we're having more dysbiosis now in the bladder and that presence of bacteria. And there's some common ones that are often found they're inflammatory. And because they're inflammatory, they're causing damage to the bladder lining. But to make complications even worse, there's a whole piece of this there's oxalates in our diet and oxalates in our gut that are actually creating damage to the bladder lining as well they're really sharp and i know because i used to pass oxalates all the time in my my urine i could see it like i literally could see it and they, when you did a urine analysis you could see the oxalates cuz my oxalate levels were high so these are crystals that your body produces about you know as part of your own metabolism. Everyone makes oxalates, but some people make more. Some people pass more. Maybe their diets high in oxalates. Maybe they're producing a lot of oxalates. That's the other root cause that I'm finding with this problem.
1: And the urine is cloudy when you look at it with someone that's passing a lot of oxalates. Correct. Correct. You know, conventionally, uh, uh, for for the treatment of bladder pain syndrome. Uh, myron is a drug that's used and if you could talk a little bit about that i could tell you from the eye point of view uh, that 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 drug could actually cause a central blindness because it could affect the part of the eye called the macula and you could get something called a maculopathy and you know people you don't usually get it until they've been on the drug about 14 years or so but people can start having symptoms about three years so they if they are on this medication, Elmyron, they have to be checked regularly by, by an eye doctor. It's uh, same with Plaquenil. Plaquenil is used with rheumatoid arthritis. And we see that in the eye, that it could be a, a side effect of someone with lupus or rheumatoid arthritis on Plaquenil. It's something very similar with Elmiron. But have you seen that? Have Has patients done well? Before we get into the integrative approach, how have people done well? And do you see a lot of people with hair loss as a side effect they get diarrhea or nauseous from the medication
2: so understand the people who come to me are people who probably refuse conventional treatments or have had bad side effects from them so um they're coming to me as a, as basically like you're my last hope um i was offered Elmeron and i denied it because i saw the side effects it was hair loss and you see the amount of hair on my head i did not want to have to do that so no,
1: we'll that was agree. Don't
2: want to <laughs> I didn't want to, Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to lose hair. I was, you know, I have a good head of hair. Like it, that was a deal breaker. Um, so um, the only thing I know about Elmeron is supposed to help replenish the G-A-G layer. Um, and that is uh, basically uh, a glycosaminoglycan layer that's over your bladder lining, which protects it from things like bacteria and oxalates and all the other acidity of the urine. And the conventional medicine says that it has been deteriorated because of, they don't know why. So there's a reason why, but medical community doesn't know. So they just put you on this medication and it's supposed to help replenish it. I can tell you that most of the patients who've been on it, it hasn't helped them. So obviously the underlying problem isn't the GIG layer because if it did, this would have helped. I didn't like the medication because I didn't like the side effects of the hair loss. So that was the number one thing. And then when I found out about the eye thing, I was like, good thing I never took that thing because I do have one patient who has had macular issues from it. So
1: Yeah, as far as treatment goes, uh, there's detoxification, sauners, and ozone therapy, which I'm very interested in. Uh, so tell us a little bit as we coming up to the break, we have about a minute left, just a little bit about detoxification, infrared sauna. Is that helpful?
2: It's, again, it depends. Um, some people who come to me, and I run the hair tissue mineral analysis on them. Um, they're so depleted in their minerals that the sauna will actually deplete them more. So I, as a nutritionist, have to replenish them. I have to rebuild them. So for people who are low, low, low in nutrients and they're totally tapped out, They should not go on a sauna very much. Everybody else, yes, doing a sauna is helpful, but again, it's not going to cure the problem. It's got to be multiple things going on. Um, But yes, it does help remove some of the toxins. It also helps upregulate mitochondrial production. And anytime you improve energy in the body, your body figures out how to heal itself.
1: And we've been talking about IC or BPS, interstitial cystitis, bladder pain syndrome, which is a little more common than most people realize. And people that have it are very uncomfortable. They're running to the bathroom, you know, up to 50, 60, maybe 70 times a day. They can't sleep. They have no energy. And uh, as we were at the break, Dr. Mandy was talking about how we could help people, a multifactorial approach. How can we help people with IC or bladder pain syndrome? Mandy, uh, could you uh, continue?
2: Yeah, so the first thing is we, I, as a practitioner, have to know your health history. If I don't have your health history, it's very difficult for me to help. So that's the first thing is, you know, if you're going to, you're going to have to understand that there's reasons why you're here. It didn't happen overnight. There was probably something that triggered it. I see a lot of things like trauma is a big one. I see um, birth control use. I see things like mold exposure. Um, I see people who are vegans and they're reducing lots and lots of oxalates in their diet and I see a lot of gut dysfunction. And so those things have to all be unraveled. And so through, you know, patient interviews and getting to know them and then running labs, I mean, I hate to say it, but you got to test, not guess, right? Because if you look again, I just told you the example of zinc and, and copper, if you're not, if you don't need those nutrients, you shouldn't be taking them. Because you could create another imbalance, so it's important to have the right, appropriate testing, and then the interventions are going to be tailored around the results of that plus your health history. And so, for example, a very easy way to do this, if you you have this condition and you want to come out of it, is you know um, get on our good supplemental protocol that's going to help reverse some of your mitochondrial dysfunction that you might be dealing with and improving, helping your body detoxify, whether it's mold toxicity or glyphosate or whatever it is. But the big thing is, and I'm seeing across the board is mitochondrial dysfunction. And so that means that you are not producing energy. And this is happening with even younger people. Mitochondrial dysfunction is generally, with, generally supposed to happen when you're older. Uh, it's pretty much the hallmark of aging is mitochondrial dysfunction and oxidative stress, but I'm seeing more people in their twenties who have the metabolic function of a 50 year old or a 60 year old. It's, it's very surprising And so this is a problem. And so this needs to be reversed. And you can do that with good diet. You can do that with good lifestyle. We talked about sauna. We talked about exercise. We talked about spending time in nature. And then the supplements to help improve your mitochondria to function. Because ultimately, when you have better functioning mitochondria, you're going to feel good. You're going to have good energy. You're going to have less brain fog. And you're going to have less inflammation. So that's really how it works.
1: So give me some of the supplements that you recommend. uh, COGA enzyme Q10, Uh, PQQ, is it, uh, what other supplements help mitochondria?
2: Um, well, honestly, antioxidants really. Um, so things like glutathione, but again, not everybody can take glutathione right off the bat because they might react to it because they may not be recycling it. So there might be an NAD issue. So, uh, depending on what the labs show. Um, you might take some NAD for a little while and then take some glutathione, especially if your levels are low. Um, there's broccoli sprouts. Wow, the world of broccoli sprouts, we have so foregoed here. It, is an, it helps an, upregulate a pathway called NRF2, which is an antioxidant pathway, but also helps control your glutathione. So NRF2 actually controls glutathione. So if your NRF2 is weak, you're gonna have weak glutathione. So you need to support your NRF2, which is through broccoli sprouts, which is, uh, has a, something called sulforaphane in it. So that's really great. And if you wanted to eat broccoli sprouts, that you could do that. You can get your sulforaphane. Make sure you sprinkle a little bit of mustard seed on it because it activates the sulforaphane. Um, Supplement-wise, the probiotics I mentioned to you, the spore-based, I give them to my kids. The prebiotics, that's not going to hurt. Um, the zeo the charge and these binders to bind up the toxins. Um, and then I think a lot of people are deficient in magnesium and vitamin B1. I'm seeing that across the board. A lot of thiamine deficiency processed foods can deplete your thiamine. Guess what else depletes your thiamine? Alcohol, alcohol. So if you drink a lot of alcohol or you did when you were in college, you might be deficient in thiamine, and that might be why you have blood sugar problems. So thiamine, magnesium, you know, again, they see saw just like zinc and copper. They need each other. So there are nutrient partners. So you got to make sure if you're going to take magnesium you take B1, don't Don't take them separately because you might create a deficiency of the other. Um, B6 across the board is very, very problematic with um, low birth control pills can deplete B6. Um, You know what else can? Antidepressants can deplete your B6. There are drug nutrient depletions. So if you're on a medication for something, you might be creating a depletion. like, Like a lot of statins can deplete your CoQ10, for example. So you need to be taking CoQ10 if you're on a statin. So again, it's very individualized, but there are some general things.
1: Before we, we talked about ozone therapy, tell us a little bit about ozone therapy We're we got about five minutes left. Uh, I think people listening to this would be very interested, something they might n- may not have heard about in the past.
2: So ozone is a gas, it's three molecules of oxygen, and it's actually a very reactive molecule. And that's the beauty of it. Because it's so reactive, it has a lot of therapeutic benefits. I first discovered ozone uh, by a colleague of mine because I was struggling with UTIs. I couldn't get through why I keep getting UTIs and I couldn't actually resolve them with antibiotics. So I started to explore this whole ozone world. And um, now a lot of integrative practitioners are using it. So it's a gas. Um, You can administer it um, in your vein uh, through a process called autohemotherapy. You can administer it rectally. You can administer it vaginally. You can actually read it. Yeah, you know, um you know, with dentists will use it as well. Um you can drink the water. Um you can actually um yeah, I mean things, you actually put them in your ears if you have ear infections. And so what it does, it remember I just said NRF2 pathway, it upregulates it just like the broccoli sprouts does. And through that, it can actually modulate your immune system. So it's not like Curing anything, it's again supporting your immune system like nutrition does, and helps upregulate your mitochondria as a result. And then you end up having a better functioning immune system, so your immune system can, can take care of the problem. That's what so
1: it the, the NRF two pathway is very good against oxidative stress.
2: Yes, it it actually is has a functions as a antioxidant um many ways uh, by itself it does, but also it help it does. Um, support the glutathione a lot of enzymes and glutathione so it controls a lot of enzymes with glutathione so it also has a double benefit there
1: and, it de- and it's for the de- detoxification and it protects the cells within the body yes so and you mentioned before the sprouts the broccoli sprouts are a great way to improve nrf2 p- pathway
2: yeah, I have all my patients on it mainly because when I do genetic testing on them, another test that I really like to do, I do um testing. 93% of my patients have NRF2 polymorphism, which AKA called mutation. I hate that word mutation because people think it's like a, you know, like a disease, but it's not, it's just a variation of the the normal type the wild type. So 93% have this polymorphism, 67% have an upregulation in something called KEEP-1 that slows down the NRF2. So you need even more support of your NRF2 if you have a KEEP-1 upregulation.
1: I remember uh, Dr. Perlmutter used to uh, have a supplement that he used to recommend for that pathway. But anyway, let's go to oxalates uh, as we're finishing up. What are the symptoms of high oxalates in the body and how can we get rid of them?
2: Oh, there's so many, um, we've got, um, kidney stones are what most people know about them as, right? So if you go to look at doctors and say, oh, you have kidney stones, but there's a lot more, there's breast cancer, um, pulmonary fibrosis, um, pain anywhere in the body, um, joint pain, arthritis, bladder pain, interstitial cystitis, painful, um, bowel movements, um, depression, brain fog. I mean, all plethora of things that can be anything else they can cause them primarily for two reasons. One, they're crystals they can shred your mitochondria, they can physically shred them, but also they can embed in your soft tissue. That's the problem. And when they do, they can create deposits and they can hurt.
1: And how can we get rid of the oxalates besides just drinking a lot of water and, uh, you know, and changing, and obviously going on a low oxalate diet? In, right.
2: In Binding with minerals is a really good way to do that. So if you're low in minerals, that could be another reason why you're absorbing them easier. Also fixing your gut health helps you absorb less in your diet. Going on a low oxalate diet, obviously, but the big one, a lot of people don't know about mold overgrowth is a source of oxalates because it's part of their microbiome. So you've got to make sure you address that with the dysbiosis piece of it. And also oxidative stress can cause your body to upregulate the production of oxalates. So you gotta get the oxidative stress down using your antioxidants.
1: You know, you talked about mold. Uh, A lot of people have mold overgrowth. Richie Shoemaker was the original person that used to talk a lot about it. How does that relate to oxalates?
2: part of their microbiome so aspergillus and um i think the other species penicillium particularly have oxalates as part of their microbiome so if you actually have uh overgrowth of these microbes in your gi tract well you're going to have more oxalates in there as well so obviously it's going to become it has a potential to become systemic
1: so I wanna thank Dr. Mandy LeGrecker for joining me today. She's a wealth of information, as you could tell. She's given us a lot of really great tips. Go to her website, ICHiller, Hiller, uh, to learn more. But if they wanna learn want to learn more about you, Mandy, and they wanna look at your Facebook, how can they do that?
2: Absolutely, so I have a lot. I'm very active on social media. Um, Dr. Mandy DCN is my handle for Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, and I'm also active on TikTok. They're both the same handle, Dr. Mandy DCN. Um, I am also on YouTube. I see Healer. I do a lot of educational and I do my own podcast there as well. I have my own podcast as well too. Oh, you can get that um, off of my Instagram. I have a link to my podcast. And finally, on um, Facebook, I have a private Facebook group. Um, it's IC Intersocial interstitial cystitis. Um, obviously you have to be approved to come in. So there are some questions that I'm gonna ask you before you can come in because it is a private group. And um, I think that's pretty much my social media.
1: i want to thank dr mandy thank you for joining me today this is dr kerry gell for open your eyes radio on am 1280 the patriot
0: MacuHealth with Micromicell, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicell technology.
1: Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit oiebroadcasting.com and sign up today.